FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors, WFG, Enterprise Solutions, and Next Level Advisors. Well, we have a very special guest for you today. I couldn't be more excited to bring Jim Palino. He's the founder and CEO of Lodestar. He's the managing partner of Mortgage Sentinel. He's a title expert and has just a wealth of experience that I can't wait to share with you. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks. So happy to be here, Michael. Well, it is great to have you. So for those who are our listeners that aren't familiar with you, Jim, tell us a little bit about your background. More specifically, how'd you get in the mortgage industry? I always find those stories quite fascinating. Yeah, sure. Um, first, I um, just want to say thanks again for having me. Longtime listener, so your uh, dulcet tones make my morning workouts uh, go a lot more smoothly. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so... I, I'm, I'm fond of the saying that people either stumble into this industry or they're born into it. Um, and for me, it was the latter, some good old fashioned nepotism um, in terms of kind of stumbling into um, this world. So I grew up um, in New England around a um, family owned title company, uh, which is still in operation. And that was kind of my exposure to the industry to start. And up until the time I was in college, my only real job for the title company was moving boxes. So this was before everything was electronic. They had to keep five years of files um, on hand, and then everything would just go into a warehouse. So you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of boxes. So I would rent a truck, recruit a friend, and kind of haul some boxes in. Um, and that was my exposure to the industry to start. Um, and then fast forward to about 2009, um, there were some some changes due to Dodd-Frank um, and really focusing around um, adding transparency to the industry, which is something I think we're still struggling with in many ways. And the um, there was a regulation coming out to create good faith estimates. So title companies as well as lenders had to give an accurate um, picture of what all the fees are going to be upfront when you're refinancing or purchasing, um, as well as your monthly fees. Um, so I was studying engineering at the time. I was kind of tapped by my family's company of, hey, um, we don't really know what to do with this calculator thing, but can you figure it out? Um, and that kind of between semesters project when I was in grad school um, was something that turned into one of the first good faith estimate calculators in the industry and allowed that title company to go from being in three states to national. Um, it was a, allowed me to travel to China. So it was, it was kind of a very fortuitous situation um, where it became a, a part-time job for me for a while. And then in 2013, I was doing it part-time and kind of saw an opportunity in the industry. Trid was looming a couple of years away. So it seemed like there was going to be that opportunity again. Um, so that's what made me start Lodestar Software Solutions, um, originally selling to title agents. And then over the last seven years, we've we've pivoted to selling to lenders as well, integrated with a lot of leading LOS in the industry, and really keeping true to that goal of adding transparency to the process, helping lenders, title agents manage those fees, quote them up front, and ultimately saving them time and money. 
Well, I love how you got in because you're right. Most people either stumble into the industry or they have a family member that kind of dragged them in. But I think mm -hmm. what's also very important is when you come into the industry like that, you're looking at how do I solve an industry problem? What's a pain point that I'm addressing or what's an opportunity in the, in the current market environment? And while you're going to school, you see this coming down the pike and say, like, I got to start creating this. And I think sometimes those are some of the best innovations in the industry because they specifically address a problem. They're not trying to change the whole mortgage process. They're not trying to change the, the world and disrupt everything. They come in and they solve a pain point right at that time. So I commend you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and what a great opportunity, you know, starting off in school and then having it evolve. Tell me a little bit, you know, since you got started in the industry that way, what are some of the changes that you've seen in the industry, specifically on the title side, over those last 10, 15 years? I think TRID really marked a big change in the industry of kind of who has control of that process um, in terms of prepare, final preparation of the documents. Um, and I think for, for me, it really kind of showed kind of the, the power balance of the situation where nothing against the title industry, but at the end of the day, the lender is the one who really controls the customer in the mortgage process, and they're going to be the one leading the way. And you saw a lot of people during that time trying to introduce products through title agents into the industry, right? And, and there was a point where they were kind of just wagging the tail by the dog, or wagging the dog by the tail, that's it. Um, in terms of figuring out who really has is the ultimate decision maker in the industry. Um, so I think that's something that is, is well-defined. Um, now, um, that, that collaboration piece, I think, is still an open question. I think there's a lot of people trying to get the entire transaction team on the same page, whether it be realtors, appraisers, um, title people, mortgage people. And I think that getting everything to work together in a harmonious way um, is still a big question mark in the industry. And I think there were a lot of things that people were looking to to fix it, um, which really hasn't happened quite yet, in my opinion. How has COVID changed the title industry and how has COVID, you know, changed your business model? I talked to CEOs and some of them said, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we were already moving towards a, a digital workforce, a remote workforce didn't change as dramatically. Yeah. Others are saying it profoundly changed us from all being in the office and having thousands of people to instantly overnight having to go remote. Remote. Tell me a little bit about you know your perspective on that. Um, I mean, we're fortunate um, in that we're we're a smaller technology company uh, between 10 and 20 people, um, with a lot of people being remote to start. So I think I was one of the few people that actually had a Zoom account prior to COVID. Um, so from that day-to-day -day operation, the change hasn't been huge. Um, I would say, you know, like others in the mortgage industry, this time has definitely benefited us from a volume perspective um, and allowed us to do some good things like hiring and continue to grow and continue to bring on more clients. Um, I think the challenges are things that you're not really used to, like hiring people without ever seeing them in person, right? If you, if you said that a year ago, you would think that that would be really crazy, but trying to do that. Um, meeting people in the industry without going to conferences. Um, so there are definitely some changes in just trying to do our best to adapt to them right now um, and really kind of just playing to whatever whatever the environment throws at us both so far this year and going into 2021.
Well, you bring up a really good point. I think onboarding, whether it's an employee or whether it's a new client, takes on new challenges in this COVID, COVID environment. It, it's just different. You don't have that face-to-face. -face. You can't necessarily, yes, you're on a Zoom, but you don't see all the different mannerisms and are they really embracing mm -hmm. what needs to take place, whether it's at your company or onboarding. You know, clients don't want their vendors coming to their offices and some of their offices aren't fully open. Right. And, they have policies against it and everything like that. So how do you foster engagement in this virtual world? Hey, Jim? I mean, that, that's been something everyone's been struggling with right now. I think you do the best with what you can from, from Zoom and other conversations like that, from doing video conferences, um, chat with employees. Um, I think you just, you just really have to put in more effort to do those types of things. And quite frankly, um, clients and maybe some prospects they don't want a ton of engagement now because they're barely keeping their, their heads above water. So I've definitely seen kind of a fatigue on that end, especially in the, the past couple of months. Excellent. So have you seen COVID have an impact directly on the title business? Have you seen that kind of impact mm -hmm. process flow, workflow, efficiencies? maybe some efficiency gains, maybe some lost. What are you seeing from that perspective? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the title business as well as my business, our main clients are mortgage lenders and, and the environment with interest rates has just really, really helped um, volume lately, um, as, as you talk about a lot on your podcast. I think the interesting thing, um, and one of the open questions I have is this has catalyzed changes in the industry that had, hadn't happened yet, and we'll see what the lasting impact is. One example, uh, I'm based here in Philadelphia, and I saw um, some emails early on um, that the New Jersey Mortgage Bankers Association was fighting for a state law because loan officers as fiduciaries um, weren't allowed to work remote. Um, just there was something, and I may be paraphrasing incorrectly, but basically back in March, April, that was legislation that had to be changed to adjust to this environment. And that's just a microcosm of a lot of the other changes that are happening with you know, drive-by closings, with remote notarization, all those different things that were, were happening in the industry, but really got put into the fast lane in the last few months. So I think that's been part of the positive impact. So let's talk about that fast lane. What are some of the other innovations? What are some of the technology that you see that have really accelerated because of this COVID world? I think people making sure all of their software and platforms are web-based and everyone can get into them. I know that in some cases it may seem simple, especially people coming in and kind of a younger generation, but that has not been the case with most of the industry. Um, a lot of companies still have locally hosted um, production systems in one way, shape, or form. So that is something that I think is, has been a big key change in the industry. I'm trying to think of, of others that I had mentioned, um, remote notarization, I think that's a big one. Um, more e-closing, I said more e-closing, you're seeing a lot more of the electronic closings uh, and that kind of being really pushed yeah. to the forefront. Like you said, you made a great point that a lot of the technology has been there, but now it's finally being pushed to the forefront and we're seeing much greater adoption than we did you know, prior to. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the some of the silver linings that I see. Earlier, you had mentioned collaboration. How important in this day and age and in this mortgage environment mm -hmm. is collaboration and kind of define some of the, the ways you're seeing collaboration in the industry. That's something that we see a ton and 
I think there's there's certainly been an old school mentality in the industry for a while. I remember when I started seven years ago, I was calling on one title agent uh, to utilize our product. And the answer I got was, well, our owner doesn't really like the internet. <laughs> um, so there, there's been, and I was, I, I, I don't think I'm cut a joke at the time, but I wanted to be like, well, you know, it's just a fad anyway, these things are going to go away. But I think it, it shows how far the industry has come in many ways of what can be automated. If you are relying on someone to answer the phone or answer the email in order to provide very basic information, in our case, a fee quote, um, it's going to frustrate lenders, right? It's going to um, prevent them from wanting to work with you because right now things are around the clock business and going forward, they just want that immediacy. So I think the things that used to be nice to have, like automated quoting, title ordering, um, ways of getting information around the clock, those kind of become table stakes, so to speak, now that any large lender in looking at the providers they're going to use on a regular basis, if you're not able to check off those boxes, they're not even interested in bringing you in. Excellent point. Tell me a little bit, you know, we'll shift gears a little, we've talked title and everything like that, but I, you know, you've got this new endeavor and I think it's quite fascinating, you know, secret shopping. Mm -hmm. And what kind of impact is that having for lenders, especially in today's current market conditions? And yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Michael. That's something I did really want to talk about based off what I've heard in your past podcasts too, is I think there's a kind of existential question that's in the industry right now is, is the mortgage industry, are we in a technology business or are we in a relationship business? And the answer is both. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, so automation is great as someone who sells automation, sells software. There's a lot that things can happen once it's it's in a, a file goes in a lender's LOS, information going into POS. There's a lot of things that they know. But at the end of the day, um, this a transaction is still going to come down to a loan officer engaging with a borrower, whether it be in person, whether it be over the phone, and so or some other shape or form. And that interaction is really important and in a way kind of low tech um, because you don't have the same insight into what people are saying. So what we're able to do uh, with Mortgage Sentinel is we recreate those interactions. So we shop mortgage companies, people applying for a loan and people can call up um, and by testing certain profiles, you get a baseline of what your team is saying, both from a compliance perspective of are they doing something that's a violation? Fair lending has is, is really been at the forefront of people's minds these days. Um, secondly, from an operations perspective, so are people saying, yeah, we can refinance in 25 days, and then the head of production sees that and says, we're 65 days out, and now she's pulling her hair out because they have to move this one loan to the top of the line above 100 others just because of some promise a loan officer made trying to close a deal. Um, so that operationally can be a big concern, and then third, um, the relationship component, the customer experience component. How are people following up? What type of information are people educating the consumer with? Um, all those types of things um, really encompass what we're trying to do with Mortgage Sentinel. Well, I really love the point that you made because it, as you've listened to this podcast in the past, we've had a number of wonderful guests and 
technology is great and we're all in technology and I've sold technology mm -hmm. almost my entire career here, mm -hmm. uh, but it's only part of the equation. The technology can help streamline things. It, it shouldn't eliminate the loan officer, but it should free up the loan officer to spend more quality time. And I love the point that you said, it's about developing relationships, right? Whether it's the lender trying to develop relationships with the potential borrower, you know, a lot of the statistics show the average borrower is going to get seven to 11 loans over the course of their lifetime. We've got to get mm -hmm. away in this industry from being transaction focused and moving on to the next loan and transaction, next loan, next loan, and really focus on building those relationships. What are some of the other ways besides being able to critique what are some of the loan officers saying? What are some of the other things you're seeing that people are doing to foster and build those relationships? And then as a technology provider, how do you build these relationships? Because you don't have the conferences, you can't do the networking. You can't grab a dinner with somebody. You don't see somebody going down the escalator at the conference. What are some of the things mm -hmm. you're doing to foster those relationships? Well, so on the first part of that question of what a loan officer, what people in a consumer facing role can do, um, I think education is key. Um, I'm, I'm a millennial um, and I think people misunderstand that millennials want to do everything online. Um, people are very quick to want to react, find an expert and utilize that person. Um, there's a story I wanted to tell um, on this podcast is I have a very good friend named Brett and he has a master's degree in finance, has worked in investment banking, manages a team uh, for American Express um, and he went to buy a house recently and he was talking to me about the title process and going through and he was just basically saying information that wasn't true at all. I asked him about his title agent and he said, oh, the seller's just telling me what to use and what to pay. And that that is completely incorrect, um, at least in the state that he was in. So for me, it just underlined how little people know about this process and how much they want to need an expert, whether it be that realtor that loan officer, um, whoever that expert can be. And if you're able to be that resource, like you said, you then own, Brett, right? You own those those future deals from a refinance, other purchases, whatever may happen in the future. Um, so I think having that education is very important in terms of putting that out there. And that's, I think, something we hope to do. On our end, obviously, we're not consumer facing. And to the second part of your question, how can we build those relationships I think it's tough at the end of the day. It's tough in the environment that people are in. Um, you can share information. Social media is good for you know getting information out there that isn't you just trying to sell someone. So I think there's there's a lot that you can do there to just kind of lay down the groundwork. Um, there are virtual conferences. I've I've had some success with those. Um, so I think it's still an open question, especially with with where industry volume is right now. Well, I think you made an interesting point too about uh, virtual conferences because it's somewhat of a mixed bag, right? Uh, I've talked to a number of people. Mm -hmm. I've attended a number of these conferences myself. In some ways, I think the content has actually gotten better, you know, for these sessions mm -hmm. and allowing different vendors to be involved and lenders to be involved and the content is better. But I don't think anyone's really nailed the networking part of it yet. You know, that's the tough part. I mean, when you go mm -hmm. to some of these conferences and you've been going to it for five years, 10 years, you know, I've been to some of these shows, you know, I'm dating myself a little bit, but, you know, almost 25 years, it's like homecoming. You go and you see people on the, the escalator mm -hmm. going down the elevator at breakfast and it, 
those interactions I think are very powerful and I haven't really seen anyone be able to replicate them in this virtual world yet. No, and I think those are the type of interactions I personally miss the most um, about conferences. And I'm sure you're, you're in a similar boat of having a meal with someone, seeing them at, at a networking event. Um, and that's where you're able to really um, connect with people in a way outside of sessions or, or anything like that. I was actually in, um, this was a technology focused um, conference last week, and they used a software platform that did a virtual exhibit hall. Um, so I sat at my booth um, you can't see my air quotes, but um, I was basically in a chat and people would be able to go around and talk to you like a booth. And it's just like at a conference when you're sitting at your booth and people are coming around. And it made me realize how much I missed those random interactions because someone would pop in and get all excited, get to meet someone new who I don't know. Um, so it definitely made me realize how kind of starved I've been for that conference interaction. Absolutely. And the hardest part, I think, right now for a lot of business owners like yourself is planning for 2021. Yeah. Will we will it all be virtual conferences? Will there be some live conferences? If there are live conferences, are people going to go? You know, I mean, unfortunately, right. I think some of the people running conferences, they'll throw out a survey question. How many of you would like to have personal interaction? Well, almost everyone's going to say in this day and age, 100 percent, man, I would love to see people face to face. But I think you've got to probe deeper and say, okay, if things start opening up, if we don't have a vaccine yet, right. how many of you are willing to get on a plane, uh, stay in a hotel, go out to eat somewhere, mm -hmm. get in an Uber or a cab? And yeah. even if you are, are your prospects and the people that you want to meet with, are they willing to? So I think 2021 is going to present a lot of challenges mm -hmm. from that perspective, from a planning perspective. Which ones do I want to do virtual? If there are some live ones, what do I want to do live? Um, what do you see as some of the top tech priorities for 2021? Um, well, just one thing on the conferences, I think you made a good point on a past um, podcast about them going to really a change. Um, there will be those major conferences that'll feel like a homecoming to what you said before, but a lot of the regional, maybe smaller ones might even stay virtual for a while. And um, one last point on that, as a tech vendor, um, I much rather show my product and demo my product in a webinar than in a 200 person conference room with faulty Wi-Fi, right? Like that is just like a cliche of the tech industry of those demos never working. Um, so there is one advantage there that you know, the, the web, the, how comfortable people are with webinars and web conferences now does make it very easy to demo your software. So that is one thing that has been nice. Um, in terms of, of technology preferences um, or priorities, um, can you just clarify a little bit uh, in terms of me for Lodestar, what we're seeing from clients? Yeah, as you talk to a lot of lenders out there uh, with all of your title expertise, mm -hmm. are there any areas that you say, hey, this is what I really see people gravitating to? I've had other guests on and they'll mention, hey, we think there's going to continue to evolve and e-closings are going to be really important. Well, obviously, because they have mm -hmm. an e-closing solution, that's something. But yeah. is there anything from a tech perspective, whether on the Mortgage Sentinel side, the Lodestar side that you say, Here's something that lenders are asking a lot about, or here's some of the things that we think that will be transpiring in 2021. I think for us, it's just expanding our how involved we are in the transaction process, really from beginning to end. Um, not only 
when someone needs to quote a loan estimate and a file gets opened up in their LOS, but how do you finalize fees further down, right? So the more of the transaction process that we can cover, the better. Um, we are seeing a lot of clients concerned with the front end of that, especially now when people are going to their website, how are they putting in applications? How are they providing accurate information up front to a lender or sorry, to a borrower who wants to know what my interest rate is going to be, what my monthly payment is going to be, what's my cash to close, those three big things. So that kind of race to the customer and providing accurate upfront information as early as possible has always been a concern, but I see a lot of lenders really focusing on that even more than they have in the past. Great insights. Jim, it is wonderful to have you as a guest. If somebody wants to, to have a further discussion with you and probe a little bit deeper in these, what's the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? Sure. Um, you can reach, reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Jim Paolino, or uh, our company website, lodestarss.com. I have a weekly blog I put up there. I'm always happy to talk to anyone in the industry. Um, you know, like I said, replace that kind of uh, impromptu conference interaction. I know I've made a lot of connections um, from your podcast, so I really hope um, people take advantage of that. More than happy to have a conversation. Fantastic, Jim. It is great having you on the show. You're welcome back anytime. Great. Thanks so much, Michael. I'll hold you to that. struggling to keep up with record origination volumes? From property valuation and appraisal to title insurance and closing services, WFG Enterprise Solutions provides flexible mortgage origination services that address your organization's needs head-on. By taking the time to understand how you run your business, WFG can create solutions that save you time and money on every transaction. That's why WFG consistently earns Net Promoter's world-class ranking for customer satisfaction. Innovative solutions, world-class customer satisfaction. Get to know WFG today at WFGLS.com. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.